0: The warmest of festive greetings to you, and welcome to Merrily Ever Teaching! <laughs> Woo! This is the podcast to help you enthrall your learners in a knowledge-rich curriculum using the best teaching method known to science, storytelling. To do this, we feature special guest educators who are passionately keen to empower your children. I'm storyteller Chip Cahoon, and with me today is... Hi, I'm Rob. I work in a small village school just
1: in Buckinghamshire. I currently teach Key Stage 2, but have worked with all-year groups up to Year 6.
2: Hi, I'm Toria, and I'm a Year 4 teacher at a large junior school on the south coast of England. I'm also the host of the Tiny Voice Talks podcast and author of the Tiny Voices Talkbook. I'm Caitlin, I'm a year one teacher in a Little Village school at the opposite end of Buckinghamshire. I've appeared on Tori's podcast and I'm a contributor to her book. Hi, I'm Nicola and I teach in a school in Southampton. I've taught all year groups and also worked with teachers at Teacher Training College. Hi, I'm Bex, I have experience teaching across the primary schools all the way from early years to year six. I've also been a deputy head and I also train trainee teachers.
0: And today we are seeing what we can create with art, design and technology with a Christmas folktale from Mexico. You can listen to the story by downloading our sister podcast, Fables and Fairy Tales, or search our website, epictales.co.uk, for The Forbidden Christmas. There you'll find a video of me telling the story that you can share with your children. And if you're an Epic Educator as of December 2022, you'll also get the story as a paperback brightly illustrated by the fabulous Mario Coelho, hopefully in time for Christmas if you're really, really quick. Don't worry if you missed that, though, as you can also order the book from any bookshop, including Amazon, and Epic Educators can access the ebook and full audiobook through the Epic Tales app. In fact, let's take a moment to thank everyone who's signed up to be an Epic Educator so far, because by doing so, you are also supporting this podcast, so we can keep sharing these off-the-shelf lesson ideas every single week. Right now, though, let's continue our discussion with everybody here and Lola and Don Pedro, and we're going to see what art we can create. But Toria, we have to mention how especially artistic you've been for our Christmas party by arriving as an angel, quite literally dressed as an angel, complete with halo.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That is, listeners, because it's basically shining down on my head. (laughs) Why change, really? Let's just go with what I normally wear, looking angelic.
0: And you're, uh, I mean, I I know that you're dressed how you are because you are heading on to a party after this one. But we also know that you very recently had a party of your own for the launch of the Tiny Voices Talk
2: book. I know. It was How did it go? Oh my goodness It was really really exciting At the moment I'm trying to make a video That's going to go up on YouTube Which is the recording of Mm. it But it was fabulous You know we were incredibly lucky We had around 50 people On the call So it was a Zoom thing Just Mm -hmm. celebrating The quieter voices in education We were really lucky Dame Alison Peacock Came along and opened it for us Which was rather fabulous She is a wonderful supporter Of the tiny voices And then we had lots and lots of the contributors there are 37 contributors in all to the book and we have many of them Mm -hmm. actually talking including our very own caitlin didn't you caitlin you (laughs) talked i did if we can call it that. Um, <laughs> 50 people on Zoom is a lot harder than 30 children in the classroom.
0: But well, I'm sure yeah. you did magnificently.
2: She did. But no, it was really good. It was lovely.
0: I mean, we have about 50 people listening to this podcast every day, Caitlin, so you're, you're, you're getting some good practice right here. Ah,
2: but I can't see all those 50. <laughs> That's fine. It was just so lovely. What's interesting from my point of view is although mm. I put the book together, I chose the actual contributions There were many, many, many that came in and there's 37 contributions but there's about 100 that actually came in but I hadn't actually met all 37 contributors I've emailed exchange oh, really? with many many of them unlike Caitlin. So I've interviewed Caitlin for my podcast, mm. so I know Caitlin. A lot of the contributors, I've never met them, I've never spoken to them, I'd never I've never seen them. So it was for me, it was really exciting actually just sort of going, oh my goodness.
0: You people are actually
2: real. Yeah. We're doing it virtually, but there's something really special and and you know yourself, exchanging emails with people is very different from actually mm. seeing them, even virtually. There's something very special about sharing a virtual space with people just like we are now. I think there's something incredibly special because even though we are not physically together, we are sharing Mm. an experience together. And I think it's really nice. We can talk, we can see each other. And that's very much what the virtual launch was like. It was a really, really special moment in my life.
0: And I think book launches themselves show just one of the magic things that art can do and creativity. That's what you've done, really. You've created something and it brings people together. And for most of the time, when you, you put a book out there, people are going, to be reading it in a solitary space, because that's how reading works. Usually, you know, you're you're reading it independently and on your own. But a book launch is where you get to see, no, actually this is something that lots of people will be sharing in. Lots of people shared in the writing of this particular book and lots of people are going to be reading it and benefiting from it. And that sort of celebration that really shows what creativity is all about. Can can we just have a very quick summary of, of what the book actually is and I almost feel like I should ask Caitlin this question just to uh, just so that we can see whether your brief worked Toria It's
2: up to you Caitlin I'm happy to uh, take the fine. answer or you can Yeah and somebody yesterday described it as a collection of essays I think it's mm. probably a good way to describe it because everybody's written something different but they're all sort of tied together by the fact that everybody's an educator one of the smaller voices you know nobody's well known in education spheres but we all care deeply about what we do sharing what we do so I think we've sort of formed a little a little team now a little community of tiny voices (laughs) it is really special to be part of
0: wonderful well i I think that summed (laughs) it up pretty well don't you toria it
2: really did and can i just say slightly excited i just literally received a message from my editor and it's a picture of the book on a bookshelf but not any bookshelf it's waterstones in piccadilly (sighs) no way yeah like seriously so i Oh, it's, wow.
0: <laughs> That's a wonderful
2: moment. I know. And I just had to share that because I was like, oh, my goodness. Because <laughs> it's really strange. It's a very, very strange one, you know. And, and Caitlin will know this, you know, when you put, as you said, when you put your writing out there, to actually then have it read by another, appreciated by another, it's a really, really special thing. What I find amazing is that this random idea of mine to actually have the quieter educators heard, because I do believe that we all have an awful lot to say, that random idea is actually now in print. It's there to support and help leaders, teachers, teaching assistants, students, teachers and ECTs. And now I'll be quiet. But yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope you won't be too quiet because we need you to talk oh, an yeah. our podcast as well. Well,
2: I, I, I yeah, no, no, to... I'm ready to talk. Go. <laughs>
0: Art is a really important subject, as is design and technology. And let's start right down at the end of the age range from four to seven, where uh, Rob, you've been looking at the um, art and design and technology for this one haven't you
1: yeah i managed to find some bits that would tie into both as well and some of the dt ideas also tie into kind of maths it's kind of steam stem ideas so that's quite good but in terms of art as I was reading through the story and it was talking about the procession through the village, I was thinking, oh, the depiction of the lanterns, is kind of they're mentioned, but it's not explicit what they look like. So I was thinking with the younger children, you could definitely start by saying, OK, well, what is a lantern? Because there will be some children who probably haven't seen lanterns before. And mm. if they do, it might just be kind of your Snow White and Seven Dwarves hold it in your hand lantern. I know that in some parts of Milton Keynes, near where I live, there are lantern festivals in December. December. so draw links to your local community understanding the the world that you live in and then wow. say okay well if it's christmas in mexico what kind of lanterns would we expect to see so have a go mm. at drawing some and then even potentially having a go at creating them as well
0: and and if you're going to do that um i mean i know that farolitos are sort of paper bags with candles in which sounds like a health and safety nightmare it's a very easy one to do with those little battery powered uh, tea tea lights lights, that you can get the only thing with those is that they're they're not particularly strong so you i think you need to cut some holes in your your paper and make a decorative lantern
1: yeah yeah and i think i would probably have a go at making those with older children but Mm. with younger children i'd say okay let's just have a go at creating some christmas lanterns or let's have a go like doing a lantern festival where it's all on bamboo canes and things like that Mm. so kind of linking the story back to where they are especially with your early years children going well this is what it's like in mexico some children Mm. aren't even going to know the town that they live in or Mm. the county that they live in so to bring it back to the experiences that they've got and they've had and are more likely to see then that will benefit to fit
0: them. I think this is a brilliant idea because if you if you did that right at the start before you even start the story then you could really use it to hook your learners into the story, couldn't you? They've invested yeah. a bit of yeah. imagination, they can go on a little posada around your classroom and then you can sit them still to listen to the tale. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, shift you on up to ages 7 to 11 then. Toria, what did you find for the art in this story?
2: It's similar to Rob but slightly more developed in a sense. So I was really interested about what Mexican decorations looked like because that was mentioned, and actually, I went googled mexican christmas and it's so bright and it's so colorful and it's so vibrant now i'm someone that doesn't overly like sensory overload in my classroom but actually there are so many yeah sorry sorry,
0: but hearing that from you sorry sounds amazing i can't
2: stand the idea of everything hanging down on top of me
0: oh okay
2: however the idea of creating lots of these decorations there are many many decorations that could be created you know there are various paper flowers and so on there are little felt things that they could sew for decorations and so on so I was thinking initially that's how I would actually my engage for the whole story would be to create decorations and properly decorate my classroom they then have to take all the decorations Mm. home at the end of the day that would be (laughs) the initial start then moving on with the lantern idea now I went to Wakehurst place last year over Christmas what they do is they do the most amazing lantern and sculptures, just absolutely phenomenal. So, paper sculptures of all sorts of creatures, animals, just inspiration. I, I looked it up. Now, this is slightly challenging. However, you can do read and paper sculptures, and I was hmm. thinking that for especially for the upper key stage two, read and paper sculptures might work really beautifully. Hmm. They they would be able to design those and then put them together. You could start off by creating simpler. Paper sculptures because there are many, many, many ideas out there for lanterns. But I really liked the idea of creating a lantern sculpture but it's not going to be an easy one but i just think that actually for those upper key stage twos wouldn't it be wonderful
0: you're also sort of showing there that fine line between art and dt uh, at points because that does require sculpture does require a lot of preparing
2: well that's the thing it was i was i was going to talk about the dt and i thought oh no but actually yeah it is very much they would need to plan they would need to design they would need to think about the reads they would need we would need to actually focus on what technical skills they would need in order to mm. actually create sculpture and I think sometimes that's where DT becomes unstuck when people don't actually consider the process through with the children don't teach them the mm-hmm. skills because the, the whole thing with design technology is that we equip children with the skills so then they are able to apply those to their own design process and they are able to make it but I do think that idea of lantern sculpture they would be able to do that in upper key stage too if They are taught the appropriate skills.
0: Everyone's nodding along with you there, Toria, but not more vehemently than Rob, though, who uh, is going to move on to some design and technology for ages four to seven. So let's slide on down in our sleds back down to Rob and your age group.
1: Before we do go on to DT, do you know what happens if you eat Christmas decorations?
0: Oh, you're doing a Christmas cracker
2: now? Oh, I do, and I've forgotten. (laughs) Go on. What's the answer? You get tinselitis. (laughs)
0: <laughs> do you know I can't remember that whether that one was on last year's, but
1: <laughs> I, can't, I can't remember it might have been. We'll recycle it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> As you should do with decoration. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I thought Uh, A couple of ideas. I've got making a Christmas-themed piñata.
0: Yes, Um, I'm glad someone's chosen (laughs) piñatas.
1: Whereas the lanterns which are used for the posada might not have crossed the cultural gap Mm. of the Atlantic Ocean, piñatas definitely have. Mm. So children will be more familiar with what they are and what they look like and what the idea is. But I thought as it's Christmas, it's the end of term. In theory, we're still working 100 million miles an hour in schools but we're starting to slow down just a little bit
0: i think everybody else thought that was another one of your christmas cracker jokes (laughs) no no
1: no no. do some junk modeling make a christmas Uh, pinata fill it with sweets fill it with stationery fill it with whatever you like (laughs) and then at the end of term bash it up reenact pinata yeah excellent One of the other ideas that I came up with, and this is the one which is more kind of maths based as well, but it's to look at how to build a bridge. Mm. So this would probably be like the upper end of Key Stage 1. So start looking at what shapes can you use to build a bridge? What techniques do you need to use? Start thinking or looking at different designs of bridges. So your Roman arch with the keystone in the middle, look Mm -hmm. at a whole range of bridges from like a simple wooden bridge to the Pont du Gard, technically not a bridge, but it looks like a bridge, tower bridge, how is that built? And then say, Okay, if we were gonna redesign the bridge for the village, what would you use? <laughs> how would you do it?
0: Mm. What technique? How many Key Stage 1 classes are going to have a tower bridge over this <laughs> tiny little river in Mexico now? <laughs> I mean,
1: you can scale it down, but and then that, that's part of the, the design, isn't it? Talking about the scale. Yeah. If we had it the same size as the official one in London, it's probably going to be too big. So it's linked to the maths through, again, like through scale, which you probably wouldn't teach explicitly to key stage one but you would mention it but then the Mm. use of different shapes and how they fit together would definitely come into key stage one maths
0: it's a good job to have those sorts of ideas introduced so that they're not too much of a surprise when they do meet Mm. them in a few years time speaking of that few years time then that's seven to eleven ages toria what dt did you find for
2: them aside from the paper lanterns i love teaching children to sew Because I think sometimes we're quite nervous of sewing in the classroom. And I think we're quite nervous of actually, you know, children, needles, scissors, fabric, the whole lot (laughs) can be terrifying. But actually, there are so many beautiful Mexican tree decorations that I found. And I thought showing them those, then getting them to design their own. And what I really like is they're made from felt, but it's very much that idea of that felt on felt I forget the special word right now it's gone out of my head yeah it'll come to me what the special word was people and everyone's probably shouting the special word at me but the basic idea is that you have your Christmas decoration cut out felt and then you're attaching other bits of felt to it and you're building it up and you're sewing all of those pieces on and then you're stuffing your lovely Mm. Christmas decoration and hanging it on the tree and I think it lends itself beautifully to children's sewing skills but also Mm. to that lovely design what a great present for someone for Christmas as well, ka-ching
0: Absolutely, yeah and that's brilliant because all of your ideas there could be woven into your telling of the story to make this a multi-day project mm. uh, with your children coming up to the, the end of term all of them as well, especially that last one Toria, could give them something to take home as well and yeah. remember the story
2: So Yeah and then in 30 years time when they're still hanging that same decoration on their tree <laughs> they will think back to Lola and her donkey And they'll pass that story on to their children.
0: I kind of don't want to ask this now because that sounds like such a lovely note to end (laughs) on. But Rob, do you have a Christmas cracker joke to finish this episode with?
1: Um, If there's a group of chess players boasting in the entrance of a hotel, what do you call them?
0: Um, No.
1: chestnuts boasting in an open foyer. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's a very good I one no <laughs> I think you completely baffled Toria but
2: <laughs> <laughs> I literally have no words That was just, yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's sadly all we have time for in this episode, folks If you'd like to talk to us about anything you've heard in this podcast or if there's a subject you are soon to teach that you'd like us to cover you can find us on social media using at or leave us a review using your favourite podcast app Please also share this podcast with your colleagues and help us start a story-led revolution in classrooms around the world so children everywhere can enjoy knowledge-rich learning in a way that's effective, memorable and enjoyable all at the same time. Tomorrow, Lola and Don Pedro will help us make some music. But right now, it only remains for us to say cheerio and we hope to hear your story soon. So, cheerio!
1: And we hope to hear your story soon. soon.